A day after emails from Dr. Anthony Fauci revealed his concern about the possibility that a lab leak was the true origin of COVID-19, Vanity Fair published a bombshell expose that shows an extensive effort by members of the U.S. government to cover up and divert attention away from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. This is the bureaucratic machine at work. Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. What a difference a year and a few months makes in our estimation of what exactly happened in the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic. We don't yet know. We don't have final answers here, but we're getting closer. And one thing we certainly see is that people, and at the front of that pack at the top of the list would have to be Dr. Anthony Fauci, who pretended to know just how the COVID disaster happened, how it got started, they didn't know. And in fact, they were steering global public opinion in a certain direction, steering it away from the lab leak theory and toward the zoonotic or natural animal transmission of the virus, essentially just a thing that happened in mother nature with no political party involved in a cover-up, with no human beings involved in reckless research, like gain of function. Turned out that's not the case, at least from what we can see right now. A big piece in Vanity Fair, which we want to bring to your attention, uh, pulls together some of this. The lab leak theory inside the fight to uncover COVID-19's origins. And let's just start with this. Is it possible that there was a clear effort behind the scenes by top virologists and people in the international health bureaucracy, including Dr. Anthony Fauci himself, to steer public opinion away from the lab leak theory, especially considering that there now, it's clear, were some U.S. taxpayer dollars that went to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and that yes, in fact, it may be the case that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was engaged in gain-of-function research, tinkering with viruses to make them more transmissible, perhaps even more lethal. Was there steering going on? Was there a cover-up, which you might consider to be just above the steering of opinion into some other territory here? Uh, Here's what Vanity Fair writes about the State Department investigators who were probing the lab leak scenario. Um, Among other possibilities, its members were repeatedly advised not to open a Pandora's box, said four former State Department officials interviewed by Vanity Fair. The admonitions smelled like a cover-up, said State Department official Thomas DiNano, and I wasn't going to be a part of it. You'll recall that the Biden administration disbanded the effort under the Trump administration State Department to look into the origins of COVID-19, saying that it seemed like shoddy work to them or some other such nonsense. Yeah, maybe we should take another look at that. Turns out the possibility of a cover-up here is very real. In fact, the evidence is pointing in the direction of such a cover-up. Vanity Fair keeps going in this piece to talk about, uh, well, to talk about unveiling even more issues that you could say look like a cover-up. In one State Department meeting, officials seeking to demand transparency from the Chinese government say they were explicitly told by colleagues not to explore the Wuhan Institute of Virology's gain-of-function research because it would bring unwelcome attention to U.S. government funding of it. 
In an internal memo obtained by Vanity Fair, State Department official Thomas DiNano wrote that staff from two bureaus warned leaders within his bureau not to pursue invest an investigation into the origin of COVID-19 because it would open a can of worms if it continued. Pandora's box, opening a can of worms, unwelcome attention. These are all bureaucraties for let's make sure people don't find out what really happened here. That's what those phrases indicate. That's what they are used for within a large government bureaucracy, something that I know far too well from my time in a large federal bureaucracy. I know how the CYA, the cover your behind, I guess that would be CYB, game is played. So does Dr. Anthony Fauci, which is why he's, he's spinning as fast as he can. Here he is on some of the theories out there. There was an email on April 16th, an email exchange between you and NIH Director Francis Collins. The email sent to you said, conspiracy theory gains momentum. And this, again, was the idea of the lab leak. The idea, I think, is quite far-fetched that the Chinese deliberately engineered something so that they could kill themselves as well as other people. Uh, I, I think that's a bit far out, John. Is that really what we're talking about here? Is the, is the bulk of those who are claiming the lab leak theory is more likely, are they really suggesting that China intentionally released this to intentionally kill as many people as possible? No. The lab leak theory, at least in general, uh, general discussion, is that the Chinese were looking at this virus, which we know they were, and at the, at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, that there was some U.S. funding that went to this lab, that this lab was likely engaged in gain-of-function research, and that that virus, which did occur naturally, but which had been, had been brought together for study at this laboratory, may have been tinkered with during the gain-of-function research and then accidentally got out of the lab into the general population, and we had a global pandemic. That's the theory, but Anthony Fauci is too busy sneering at Oh, the Chinese wanted to release this on themselves. That makes no sense. Hmm. Interesting. Fauci has been proven wrong so many times. He's got a lot to answer for, doesn't he? Vanity Fair keeps going. Gain of function research. I've been mentioning this. Officials were advised by Christopher Park, the director of the State Department's biological policy staff and the Bureau of International Security and Nonproliferation, not to say anything that would point to the U.S. government's own role in gain-of-function research, according to documentation of the meeting obtained by Vanity Fair. Some of the attendees were absolutely floored, said an official familiar with the proceedings, that someone in the U.S. argument could make an argument that is so nakedly against transparency in light of the unfolding catastrophe, it was shocking and disturbing. Oh, but don't worry, there's nothing to see here, folks. No problem. There... Shocking and disturbing. This is what government officials that know exactly what was going on behind the scenes here were saying about what looks like a cover-up. It certainly seems like that. I know that we don't have definitive proof yet. I know that there's still a lot out there that we haven't been able to 100% nail down. But which direction is all of this trending in? And given what we've been told in the past, many of the people that are coming forward trying to tell you there's nothing to see here, nothing to be worried about, you trust them? If, if so, why? Dr. Redfield, former CDC director, he got death threats from fellow scientists here 
For most of the past year, the lab leak scenario was treated simply as an unlikely or even inaccurate but morally out-of-bounds situation. Um, in late March, former Centers for Disease Control Director Robert Redfield received death threats from fellow scientists after telling CNN he believed COVID-19 had originated in a lab. Quote, I was threatened and ostracized because I proposed another hypothesis, Redfield told Vanity Fair. I expected it from politicians. I didn't expect it from science. Why, if this was about getting to the truth, would scientists be threatening death against the director of the CDC? There's a lot at stake here, friends. There's a lot of power, a lot of reputations, a lot at stake. And of course, a pandemic that cost millions of lives. The past two days have revealed a lot about the level of deception government bureaucrats engaged in during, during COVID-19. After the break, Alex Berenson, the man himself, he'll join us to give his thoughts on the latest COVID-19 revelations. Stay with us. If you've ever thought about investing in real estate, I want you to take me up on this recommendation right now. Visit doneforyoubuck.com where you can learn more about my friends at Done For You Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out yet, let me make this easy for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward and their system flat out works. I know because I'm using it successfully. It allows everyday hardworking Americans like you and me to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. I can't tell you in strong enough terms during this 60 second commercial how important it is you check these guys out. So how about this? If you visit doneforyoubuck.com, at the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For You Real Estate, where you can hear my personal experience with their company in my own words. I'll tell you about it in detail, from picking the city to the house, getting the broker, getting the loan, even getting a tenant in place so I get cash flow, free cash flow, coming to me every month. Visit doneforyoubuck.com, listen to the podcast interview, and give my friends a chance to show you what they can do for you. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Well, the true mark of someone is if they look good, even when their personal emails come out. So you, you pass the test that very few of us would, would pass. Dr. Anthony Fauci, thank you for spending some time with us today talking about all of it. We're always grateful to get some of your time. Dr. Anthony Fauci receiving the kid glove treatment from MSNBC's Nicole Wallace, because Fauci's just so dreamy. Maybe we could put his face on a pillow. Just hours after thousands of emails obtained through a Freedom of Information Act request demonstrated in plain black and white, just what a lying hack of a bureaucrat he is. Here for more on the latest about these revelations, the author of Unreported Truths About COVID-19 and Lockdowns, Mr. Alex Berenson, who I'm sure must feel like, I told you so, is a t-shirt that he should be wearing every day all over the place. Alex, good to see you. Look, it's great to be on with you. What are the big takeaways that you have? Because people are coming at the Fauci emails from a lot of different layers and levels, right? They're, they're, people are saying that it, you know, they, they've seized the mask part of it. They're talking about the origin story and, and how it seemed to be suppressed. What was the biggest single thing that jumped out at you about all these Fauci emails? 
the biggest single thing comes uh, has to do with gain of function research and the lab leak. Uh, you know, the what what you might call the origin story, and how Fauci very very clearly early on was very concerned about the potential that this uh, you know that this was an engineered virus and that uh, that potentially it had leaked from the Wuhan lab. And, and it looks like he went out of his way to sort of steer quietly, this was, but work with other scientists and steer them, uh, you know, steer public opinion and steer scientific consensus and steer, you know, investigative reporters away from any investigation of the lab leak. Um, and he did this, he did this cannily, and it's not quite clear yet from what we have exactly what he did. But so, you know, what people on the left have said is, oh, there's no smoking gun here. There's no one email where he says, oh, yeah, I know this leaked and we're going to hide it. That's correct. What there is, you know, as you would expect with a guy who, first of all, we this is only a fraction of his communications. You know, he, he has phone calls we didn't see. He may have texts we didn't see. He may have personal email we didn't see. And even these emails are redacted. We're not getting the full picture of what he knew and didn't know from this. But what we see is that on January 31st of 2020 and February 1st and February 2nd, 2020, so very, very early on in this, Fauci expresses clear concern uh, about where the coronavirus might have come from. And, and there's a conference call, and we don't know what was said on that conference call, between him and some very other, uh, very senior virologists really around the world and infectious disease specialists. And very shortly thereafter, there's a concerted effort that he is part of. I'm not, you know, I, I, I think I think you can say from the emails that he's steering, although that might be pushing it a little bit far, but he's certainly part of this effort to discourage anyone from considering the idea that these uh, that this virus might have escaped from a lab rather than jumped from a bat or another animal. And uh, and you know, frankly, the, the most shocking thing is that this the virologist named Christian Anderson who on January 31st of 2020 writes Fauci and says, you know, me and some other people have looked at this and we're concerned about things we're seeing in the virus's genome. Uh, less than a month and a half later, so really given the publication schedule for uh, for papers, um, really only about five or six six weeks later, has, has submitted a paper uh, to a very prestigious journal called Nature Medicine saying this can't possibly have come uh, from a lab. And so something, you know, something happened in there to get everybody on board. And, and, and you know, the other thing I'll say is it's, it's clear, you know, Fauci had reason to believe this was going to be much worse than it was, right? Because the early data coming out of China was very frightening. It was, you know, we now know this is a virus that it's yeah, it's worse than a bad flu season for sure, but it's in the range of a of you know of what we know from the flu. And in in early 2020 in China, it looked like something else entirely. It looked like something that might kill you know hundreds of millions of people worldwide, right? If the, if the, if it's going to kill four out of a hundred people, it infects, and everybody on Earth right. is that's you Spanish, know, vulnerable. So that's Spanish that's influenza level. And so and so Fauci had reason to be very concerned about anything that was going to link him, uh, you know, and the research that he had pushed, this so-called gain-of-function research, to this virus. Even if even if he didn't fund it, and you know, he did fund a little bit of research that was done at the Wuhan lab. Even if it was only a fraction, that was going to be enough to, you know, it was going to look terrible for him. And so he did everything possible to steer people away from that. And, and if, like. if things had looked terrible for him, Alex, you and I both know 
there, it might have been harder to create this cult, uh, this cult of, of Fauciism, which right. people bought into where he has all the answers. Don't question Fauci. You have governors of major states literally with Fauci pillows for all their TV news shots. Gretchen Whitmer, I don't know if you've seen this, she has a Fauci pillow behind her whenever she does shots as if she's got like an icon of you know Kim Jong-un in North Korea behind her. It's, it's absolutely outrageous. Uh, how confident are you now? I, I know that no one knows, but if you were to give me a, a kind of confidence level based on the data and the evidence that we actually have, that this did come from a lab. Are you 50-50, 80%, where would you put that? I put myself in the 80 to 90% range. Um, and, you know, I, I was pretty early on this. You know, there were a handful of other people. I saw a few scientists, a few journalists um, pushing this. But the reason that I'm more confident now than I've ever been, and, and you know, I, I might even go as high as 90%, is it's been 18 months, okay? And you can assume that the Chinese have done everything possible to find a potential uh, zoonotic link. In other words, an, an animal, whether it's a bat that somehow could have transmitted this virus, whether it's uh, whether it's a pangolin or a civet. And, and in the 2003 SARS outbreak, um, they very, very quickly tracked it to, uh, you know, a, a wet market that was selling civets. And, you know, civets are like, they're like little wild cats. And, and it became clear that the original SARS went bat, cat, civet, or bat, bat, civet, human. And so it didn't take them very long to figure that out. Now, this, of course, is, a, is an order of magnitude more serious or orders of magnitude more serious. And yet the Chinese haven't been able to come up with any plausible animal host. You combine that with the fact that, you know, all these questions that were raised about why the virus looks the way it does and why it has what's called this furin cleavage site, there's never been good answers given for any of those. And it just, over time, you, ha you know, when, when one theory becomes less and less plausible and the other theory becomes more plausible, you have to recognize that. And, you know, I think what happened, one of the things that, that, uh, that you know, for the people who were hoping to cover this up, they, you know, they had the WHO report come out earlier this year. And the problem for them was the report was so obviously a whitewash, it actually backfired. So that report said, we think there's a better chance that this might have been transmitted from some frozen food into China than that it escaped from a lab in China. That's outrageous. And, um, and outrageous. it's outrageous. It was a joke. And, and I think, unfortunately, um, you know, or fortunately, from my point of view, that backfired on them. I'll say one other thing, which is, you know, we now have these reports that several scientists at the Wuhan lab went, you know, were sick in late 2019. We don't know yet whether that was early COVID, whether that was something else, but that's another piece of the puzzle. So, you know, there, there, we have reason now to believe, you know, more, I would say even more reason to believe than we did. But the number one reason is there's just no evidence for the other theory. Just real quick, Alex, before I let you go, um, I've been wondering why we're always told to assume that vaccine-induced immunity is longer lasting and better than natural immunity, which I have, having had a confirmed COVID case a few months ago. Is there, they keep talking about this like they've proven it, case closed. Is there proof? Have they, have no, they shown this? There, no, there's no proof. Um, what there is evidence of is that you get very high, what are called titers. You get very high levels of antibodies in your blood after vaccination, um, higher than natural immunity confers. But natural immunity may have other um, you know, facets to it 
that that can't really be captured by a simple antibody titer measurement. And here and here's what else I'll say: when you look at like large groups of people who've been vaccinated, and you and, and you know, in some like they did this in Britain, okay, so they asked a whole bunch of people who've been va- who who'd been vaccinated to com- they compared people in that group to other people in that group who hadn't been vaccinated but had been infected before, like you, who had natural immunity, and about the same number of people ultimately developed uh, a COVID infection later. So in other words, being reinfected is is no more likely than being infected for the first time after you're vaccinated, which is just another way to say what you're saying. Natural immunity looks at least as good as vaccine immunity. And that raises the question, why are we pushing people like you to get vaccinated? It doesn't make any sense. The two things, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I know, okay, but, d- but doctors, people- by the way, will tell me this. They'll tell me this personally, but they won't say this publicly. They're like, yeah, you don't need to, they're like, you don't really need to get vaccinated. That's, they told that's me. That's right. So, the, so the, two, the two things that have pushed people over the edge into conspiracy theory are this, about vaccines, I would say. One is, why are we telling people like you to get vaccinated? And two is, why are we telling children to get vaccinated? Why are we pushing that when children are at such slim risk from this? And so, and, and honestly, there are no good answers to those right. questions. Alex, we I got to have you back. We got to do a full like podcast, sit down or on the radio show or something. There's a lot talking, to go bro, over I'm here. On and I can't stop talking, Buck. Man, it's good, good to see you, man. Check out Alex's Unreported Truths about COVID-19, folks. Get on Amazon. Alex Berenson, the man has been holding Thank the you, torch sir. of truth. Good to see you. Thank you. Congresswoman Cori Bush has been calling for the police to be defunded, but that hasn't stopped her from spending thousands of dollars in taxpayer uh, money on private security. Senior congressional correspondent for The Daily Caller, Henry Rogers, has more when we come back. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I've been telling you for a while now about online thieves who can easily steal your home's title, but you don't have to take my word for it. Take it from this thief who stole over 150 homes and was sentenced to 25 years in prison. This is why you need Home Title Lock. Nobody thinks that I can take their house and borrow against the house. Oh no, I have title insurance for that. No, it's it's in my name or he would have to get some special document. They would call me, you know, (laughs) nobody's calling you. 
after I've stolen the title, borrowed against it, or sold the property, or done whatever I've done with it, it's 60 to 90 days to even figure out that, that they're the victim of this crime. You know, by that point, you start getting foreclosure notices, and you realize you've got four mortgages on your house. Not only that, you don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name. Heard enough? Don't let this crime happen to you. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and enter radio for 30 free days of protection. That's code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. Missouri Congresswoman Cori Bush has been at the forefront of efforts to defund police in the U.S. Back in April, when St. Louis moved to eliminate millions in police funding, she called it historic and claimed it would, quote, mark a new future for the city. She's right. Probably a new future plagued by a big increase in crime. But while Bush has been agitating to take cops off your streets, our next guest claims she hasn't been living up to her own standards. Joining me now is senior congressional correspondent for the Daily Caller, Henry Rogers. Henry, this is a piece from you. So tell me uh, what's going on here with this security situation for one member of Congress. Yeah, Buck. So, uh, you know, some new documents, some new financial documents that were just uh, were released um, about, you know, the, the past weekend, uh, I was diving through them recently and I saw, you know, I saw security pop up again. You know, you had me on in April. I debunked an entire story about the entire squad hiring private security over the past uh, couple of months, uh, thousands and thousands upon dollars of private security while they're calling to defund the police. Uh, so, you know, I decided to do the, the same thing with these new records. And what did I find? I found Corey Bush is still spending money on private security. Uh, this same woman who, you know, is going after for, former President Barack Obama uh, for, you know, for being too friendly with the police. This, uh, this, this, you know, this woman, uh, Corey Bush, is extremely progressive. She's, a, you know, uh, trying to be want to be squad member. Hasn't really got fully accepted into the the branch yet, but um, she has been fully, you know, been covering covered by by secret police and and by private security on um, this entire time and using taxpayer dollars for it. It's just peak hypocrisy from the Democrats, and I think that it needs to be called out for because normal people do not have the resources that the members of Congress do to be able to use, you know, their office budgets to protect themselves. Um, you know, and I had a video from a, a, a GOP source that was sent to me when they were asked, impressing Cory Bush about, you know, what, you know, what's why are you hiring private security? Where is this money coming from? What are you doing? You know, uh, she just literally, you know, kind of threw her up her hand up in the camera and. And walked away. She doesn't have any answers for this. And of course, I've, I've asked her office for answers, but she hasn't she hasn't given us any. So yeah, um, I think it's peak hypocrisy <laughs> and it deserves to be called out. Not surprised about that, Henry. Congressional Republicans are still in talks with the White House on a infrastructure package deal. It's being reported that Biden's actually lowered his latest offer to a trillion dollars, down about 700 billion from the offer before that from Democrats. Can you just tell us, because you're covering this congressional stuff day in and day out, where does infrastructure stand right now? What are your sources on Capitol Hill telling you about whether this is actually going to get done at some level, at any level? Right. right. Well, so Republicans, you know, so that, that number of one trillion seems to have been, you know, a misleading number. Mitch McConnell says, you know, oh, we would like it around, you know, a near one trillion. He's always been kind of more of the proponent of a $800 billion uh, mark. Um, that's something that the White House is saying they want, oh, 1.7 trillion. So that's kind of their counteroffer now. And Shelley Moore Capito has been leading these conversations with the Biden White House, um, you know, and as, as well as Mitch McConnell. And it just, it sounds like, you know, 
if you can't have, get the Democrats on board, Joe Manchin's first off not on board with this yet fully. Uh, you got to convince him first off. If, if, if you can't get the moderate Democrats on board with a, a, an infrastructure package and you push through some uh, $1.7 trillion package that, you know, that it's just not going to work. You need you need support from Cinema and Manchin, who, you know, Cinema has been flopping around um, on a whole bunch of issues with Biden. So I just it'd be very interesting to see this work out. I've never seen, um, you know, when it comes to stuff but with money this big, it, it just usually never works out. We obviously saw the covid bills go through, but that's a whole nother story. This infrastructure package, um, I just, it's going to be tough to have a bipartisan package go through uh, with the amount of money that the Democrats are asking for. Now, we also saw uh, a congresswoman, speaking of Congress, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeting out a whole bunch of things about uh, her uh, abuela, who I, I believe is grandmother, and I never took Spanish, I believe it's grandmother <laughs> in Spanish, uh, who lives in Puerto Rico, she says she's sick and living in squalor. Look, let me first just say, I hope uh, all the best, you know, health and, and long life for, for AOC's abuela. That's not the point. I hope she's doing well. But she's saying the House, meaning AOC, is saying the House is in bad shape because Trump didn't send funds. Okay, well, hold on a second. AOC has got some funds. Uh, she has a $70,000 <laughs> sports car she drives around in, a Tesla, of course. She's got two apartments. I mean, I think that when you're a member of Congress and you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, probably a lot more than that with book deals and things we don't even know about for AOC, uh, isn't it up to you, even as a democratic socialist like AOC is, uh, Henry, to fix Abuela's <laughs> roof? I don't think it's up to the Trump administration to fix the roof. No, it was, I honestly thought it was a joke, but you know, at this point, anything she tweets is kind of a joke. It was really, I mean, hilarious to see because, you know, we, when that story broke from the free beacon of her driving a Tesla and then, you know, you know, some people, you know, know that she lives in a very nice apartment building in Washington, D.C. that costs a lot of money to live in. Um, you know, these are the things that, you know, so while she's living in luxury, she's blaming the Trump administration while her abuela's roof is caving in on Puerto Rico. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable stuff. AOC uh, <laughs> needs to get it together here. She's losing. She's losing her mind, I would say, and I think many know that. So, um, yeah, I just—it's peak hypocrisy, and we need to get back to uh, a normal <laughs> normalcy here uh, in D.C. Our man in D.C., Henry Rogers, for the Daily Caller. Good to see you. Thanks, Buck. I appreciate it. A government task force in California met this week to study proposals to give reparations to African Americans. We got more on that with Kay Smythe of the Kay and Carol podcast right after the break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. As our country reckons with our painful legacy of racial injustice, California, again, is poised to, to lead the way. Lead the way towards a, a more equitable and inclusive future for all. Our tireless pursuit of equality in every aspect of life, from economy, health, housing, education, criminal justice, and more, continues today. That was California Governor Gavin Newsom during the official launch of his state's first-in-the-country task force to study and recommend reparations for African Americans. Newsom's currently under political pressure facing a recall election, and homelessness in California has reached crisis proportions. Joining me now for more of the insanity in the Golden State is the co-host of the Carol and Kay Save America podcast and California resident, Kay <laughs> Smythe. Kay, good to see you. Good to see you too, Buck. Thank you so much for having me. So as somebody who has to live with the decisions of the Democrat Party in California day in and day out, and has had to go through Governor Gavin Newsom's version of lockdowns and, and all the rest of it, what do you make of, of his turning uh, attention to the study of reparations for the African-American community in the state of California? another standard PR stunt, I think, on the part of Gavin Newsom. So I read an article in The Hill yesterday that touched upon this. And, you know, if you guys read the article, it literally says nothing. It says, oh, I've had an idea and I'm going to explore this idea so that, you know, the masses of Californians that have been completely ignored and disenfranchised and who are dying on our streets, uh, they think that I'm a good person and I won't get recalled. Um, It's just... uh, it's just another in a long line of PR stunts that don't do anything to improve the quality of life here. And I don't know if you know this, but there is a media wall up around California. And there seems to be this rhetoric that the recall is a partisan issue, that it's a Republican. It's Republicans, overthrow. right. It's he says, really he says it's is, the Republicans. Yeah. Yeah, so he says it's the Republicans, but, you know, Carol and Kay Save the USA is completely built on raw data that I obtained. And I can essentially prove that California has become a purple state under Gavin Newsom because of how much his policies and his perpetuation of certain legislation has just destroyed the quality of life for all Californians, regardless of race, age, gender, wealth. You know, California is not a good place to live. We know this because so many people are fleeing. And just on a personal note, I came out here as a registered liberal Democrat, borderline socialist. And after living under Gavin Newsom for the last six years, I would now consider myself pretty much a libertarian because I cannot have America become California. And that is what he is trying to do. So, you know, yeah, whatever. He's done another PR stunt. Not a big deal. We see them every day. What do we think is going to happen as a result of this recall? This clearly seems, as you point out, it's PR, it's politics. He's trying to divert attention away from a lot of things that are going on in his state, including the lockdowns, which which banned outdoor dining for a period of time, even when we all know Gavin Newsom famously 
went to French Laundry himself, indoor dining with about a dozen people right after he put that into effect. So there's a lot, there is a lot of political pressure on this guy. Do you think he may actually lose this recall election? What is the data telling you? So actually, I was going to ask you this because all of my data suggests that he is absolutely going to uh, lose the recall and he's going to be out. However, my big concern, and this is something that I really haven't explored in enough detail because I've been so focused on uh, California and um, I don't know if you know, but Carol went through her breast cancer surgery yesterday and she has fully recovered. So we're very good to hear. Give her my, give her my um, warm regards. Yes. I will. I will. Um, but no, my question is, so we have in California a huge homeless population, and I don't quite know how voter ID laws work here. But if I was Gavin Newsom, I would be perpetuating the homeless crisis because it's the easiest way to bust people to the polling station. You know, give them a $10 gift card, which they'll trade in for meth or heroin or, you know, probably not food because we've got, you know, stats say that 98% of the homeless people here are heavily addicted to drugs. Um, and that that demographic could quite easily sway this election. Um, but I really don't know how these voter ID laws work. So um, that's, I guess, my biggest concern. And so, yeah, if you or anyone listening can maybe educate me a little bit on that, that would be incredibly helpful for me and my work. Well, you mentioned that's the only way to win. You mentioned some of the of the social dysfunction that's going on in California, and homelessness has gotten to be uh, such an epidemic there that it's a national news story. We're seeing you know the biggest news outlets in the country occasionally covering it. But recently, uh, they focused in on, well, not just L.A., but Venice, uh, Venice Beach specifically. There was, I think, a news story that said it's an open-air asylum. What is happening on the ground with homelessness in the Democrat-controlled state of California, notably in Los Angeles? Why did we get to this point? Sorry, I'm laughing because I think I was actually the person who said that first. Uh, so really glad that you heard it. Uh, yeah, so how to describe Venice Beach. So we had a set of legislation come through over the last five years, um, not to be too boring about it, but it's called Proposition 47, Proposition 57, that essentially allowed, um, along with a handful of other smaller laws, um, allowed for people to camp legally and freely on our beaches. Um, it is now illegal to search tents in California um, without a warrant, uh, even though, you know, we have plenty of evidence to suggest that they're being turned into, well, they are, they're being operated by gangs and cartels to traffic drugs, people, arms, um, amongst a whole other heinous set of laws, but um, a set of laws, set of crimes. Um, so in California, California, I would say, yes, the epicenter really is Venice Beach. You know, Silicon Beach is, it used to be a mecca for tourists of all kind of pop culture love and, you know, that real rock and roll lifestyle. And so what we're seeing are people taking advantage of these laws by saying, well, I can't afford to live in Venice Beach because it's so expensive, but I can live freely on the beach. No one's going to move me. People literally can't move my stuff. Not even the police can move my things. So, you know, if you're living in, I don't know, Montana and you just want to do drugs all day and, you know, don't really want to be a part of society, um, and obviously, you know, you can't afford rent. The safest, easiest, cleanest, cleanest place to go used to be Venice Beach. And now it's, it's, it's not just an open air asylum. It's 
I've never seen anything like this anywhere in the world. It is it is a one-stop shop for crime that if if I really went into detail on it, I would be scared that your viewers wouldn't be able to sleep at night because this legislation is being passed in states all over the country. Um, and it essentially mitigates any kind of serious action being taken against the mental health crisis that is fostering this. So, you know, if you want to live free and die and do drugs until that point, Venice Beach is the place to go and no one there is doing anything about it. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. It does. Kay Smythe, we'll have you back to talk about this and more soon. Check out the Carol and Kay Save the USA podcast, everybody. Kay, thanks so much. When we come back, we've got some good news for beer drinkers looking to get vaccinated. That story's coming up in Quick Hits. I want all of you to go to this website right now, preparewiththefirst.com. It's a special website set up by our friends at My Patriot Supply. Every day it seems like things are getting worse out there. The best way to have peace of mind is to stockpile emergency food and water. My Patriot Supply is America's leading preparedness company, and they're here to help you become self-reliant no matter what happens next. But you can't wait for something bad to happen, then react. You should act now before we see a stock market crash, hyperinflation, civil unrest, another pandemic, a natural disaster. My Patriot Supply has been in business for over a dozen years, serving millions of families and earning 39,000 four-star and five-star reviews. Their food is specially packaged to stay fresh for up to 25 years. So when you prepare today, it'll be there when you need it. Right now, save $50 on their four-week emergency food kit at preparewiththefirst.com. The meals are delicious and provide 2,000 calories per day, but no other brand comes close to that, I'm telling you. That's prepare. Some good news for beer drinkers looking to get a vaccine, and AOC has a novel suggestion for how to reduce the number of people in jails. Those stories coming up in quick hits. Let's get right to it. First up, how do you get people to get vaccinated? Apparently to give them okay beer, Budweiser. Here's Biden telling everybody about it. Major League Baseball will be offering free tickets to people who get vaccinated at the ballpark. And to top it off, Anheuser-Busch announced that beer is on them on July the 4th. That's right. Get a shot and have a beer. Get a shot, have a beer. Oh, there you go. You know, here in New York, they actually give out Shake Shack uh, for people that are getting vaccinated, which I will tell you, Shake Shack is delicious. So maybe they're, maybe they're onto something. Maybe there's, there's a point to be made here about all this. I'm just saying. Speaking of points, or not having a point, or not having any understanding of what the heck you're talking about, uh, AOC is a leftist. Uh, she's a democratic socialist and an ignoramus. And she is taking the position, well, you know what, I'll let you hear what the Congresswoman from Queens has to say when it comes to incarceration in the criminal justice system, and then we'll unpack some of the idiocy. If we want to reduce violent crime, if we want to reduce the number of people in our jails, the answer is to stop building more of them. The answer is to make sure that we actually build more hospitals, we pay organizers, we get people mental health care and overall health care, employment, etc. It's to support communities, not throw them away. We need to build fewer jails and then we'll have less people in our jails? Now, I understand what she's trying to say is that this is an all of the above community approach to preventing people from, but 
there's so much dysfunction that exists in society and there is always violence among human beings and there's also the presence of evil and bad choices and these are things that actually need to be remembered in all of this when someone chooses to engage in a violent criminal act against another human being there is responsibility there's agency this is not a this is not society's fault there's individual responsibility here and a need to protect individuals from those who would engage in that kind of violence but abolish police we've now gone from abolish police to abolish building more prisons these will be every bit as successful as what came before them as in it'll just result in more crime and bad things happening um, the white house was asked about fauci's emails today i wanted to get to that now fauci's not having a great week the book it seems may have been pulled i don't know we haven't really gotten clarity on that yet dr fauci's got a book that's supposed to be coming out jen saki white house press secretary was asked about the fauci emails here's what she said let me just say on Dr. Fauci and his emails, he's also spoken to this many, many times over the last, over the course of the last few days, and we'll let him speak for himself. Um, and he's been an undeniable asset in our country's pandemic response. But it's obviously not that advantageous for me to relitigate the substance of emails from 17 months ago. Why has Fauci been so good for us? I, I just, I'd love for Democrats to explain this. What has he done? Other than appearing on TV night after night, you know, it could get worse, it could get better. We could see a surge or a diminution. We don't really know. You got to cover up the droplets. What, what exactly has he done that has been so helpful? What's the great policy? Shutting down schools, double masking, lockdowns. These are things that we're supposed to think he should be proud of? Hmm, no. Not going, not going to let that slide. Not going to allow the rewriting of history the Democrats want on this one. They turned Fauci into our health policy autocrat, and it was a nightmare for this country, and there should be accountability for it as soon as we can actually cast our votes. Mayor Wiley, or I'm sorry, New York City mayoral candidate Maya Wiley, not, not yet the mayor, um, said something in an ad that I think you need to see. This is, you know, stuff that Democrats will say now about police. They rammed into peaceful protesters, beat others to the ground, and New York's leaders defended it. But it was an injustice to those of us who know Black Lives Matter. I'm Maya Wiley. As a mom and civil rights lawyer, I've had enough. I'll transform the police and keep communities safe. As mayor, I'll be in charge, and I'll get it done, because it's time the NYPD sees us as people who deserve to breathe. Paid for by Maya for Mayor, Inc as people who deserve to breathe. As if the NYPD, which is a very diverse police force, one in which I actually spent some time working, uh, as if the NYPD needs to hear that. But Black Lives Matter rhetoric, always undermining cops. But they pretend it's not an anti-cop movement. Sure. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.